for this time together, and we pray um, that you open our, our eyes and our hearts to the reading and preaching of your word, and that your word would be um, edifying to us as a body of believers, and that through the preaching of your word that you be glorified. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, children up to the age of three can go to the back. And for the rest of us in here, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And we are looking specifically at verses 19 through 23 today. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles on the seat backs that you can borrow and you can read along with us. And also, um, I know it's behind me on the projector screen. So verse 19 says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in, the age, in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. So this passage here is part is, is a small portion of a larger prayer of Paul, and he is pay, praying for the church in Ephesus and his hope for this church is that they recognize the eternal plan that God has for his people. And that's why uh, we, when we basically look through this passage and we begin to pick it apart, so to speak, we begin to unravel these wonderful mysteries of the church. And they're really mysteries of God for the church. It's God's work within the church. And these things don't really make sense to the world, but they make complete sense to us because it is the spirit who is at work in the church. It is the spirit who has work in, at work in the believers. So Paul's prayer for this church here, and it's, it's a theme that follows every single chapter of this book, is that they recognize God's eternal plan. And his eternal plan is the, um, it's, it's, it's the saving of the church and the glorification of the church. And that is being taught to this church, and it's something that we must remember as well. But in order for this to happen, Paul prayed that they receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's verse 17. That's a verse that we did not read, but it goes along with this passage. And we'll end up backing up a little bit so that we can get a better context. Um, Paul prays that they would know the hope to which God has called them. Also, the riches of his glorious inheritance and what we're going to be talking about today, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those who believed. And that's verses 18 and 19. Now, Pastor Laramie preached to you about knowing God last Sunday and also the implications of knowing the hope, the hope that we have in him, the riches that we have in him, and also the power that we have uh, when we are God's and what he preached on is going to be vital for our for next Sunday Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 because we're going to have to revisit that to understand Ephesians chapter 2 uh, to to its full meaning its full meaning so we'll look at that next week but today I want to continue on the teaching of God's immeasurable power because Paul has more to say about that Let's back up to verses 16 through 18, and then we'll read 19 as well. So this is Ephesians 1, 16 through 18, the first half of 18, and then, we'll, and then verse 19. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Okay, so he, he's writing this letter to the church, letting them know that he has a special bond with them. Uh, he's always remembering them. And they are always in his prayers. And then in verse 17, he reveals what that prayer is. That the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom 
and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Then verse 18, uh, the first half of it, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what it is, the hope which he has called you to. And then he continues on with the riches and the, um, the inheritance of the saints. And then verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? See, Paul tells them that once they have the Holy Spirit, he, the Holy Spirit, will give them wisdom and revelation concerning the fullness of God. You see, that's, that's a very important point that we must see. In order to know God, we need God. Right? We can't know God without first having God. We cannot know God without God giving us what we need to know him. He uses two words here, wisdom and revelation. Wisdom, what is wisdom? In its most plain definition, wisdom is knowledge through experience. When you say someone is wise, it's, they have a lot of practical knowledge. They've been through a lot of different things, and, and, and what they say is very beneficial to maybe what's going on in the world today, what's going on in your life today. So someone who is wise has been through a lot, They've learned from it because just by going through a lot, you're not wise, right? It's what we learn and how we're sanctified through what we go through. So wisdom is knowledge through experience. Revelation is privileged knowledge through what God has revealed to us. Revelation is not something, the revelation of God's word is not something everyone understands, only those who are his because his spirit is the one who teaches it to us. So he uses these two terms, wisdom and revelation, concerning the fullness of God. See, Paul is saying that they, that church, the Ephesian church and his church in general, will receive wisdom and revelation by the Holy Spirit, enlightening their eyes to see the truth about God. They'll understand better his hope, his, the riches that are in him, and also his power. His power. That's something as a church, we have, to, we have to come to terms with and we have to understand it. Because if we understood his power, I think we would live completely different lives. And I think for the most part, we do understand his power, or at least in our minds, we have it, we have it in our minds and, and we, we try to live by it day by day. But we all fail at one point or another to understand and to remember who we worship and the power he has to provide for his church. If, if you are like me, you struggle with, with worry sometimes. You, you may like to be in control of things. You like for things to happen the way you have planned them. I've never met anyone who says, no, I don't really care about anything, right? I've never met anybody who was happy that their plans were, were you know, broken up or their, their, their plans were ruined. It may not be until later till we figure out God's plan was better, but in the moment, it's not an easy thing to accept. But see, God has this great this immeasurable great power that Paul talks about. And concerning this power of God, Paul says that, first of all, it is immeasurable, meaning extraordinary or beyond all things. In other words, it is divine. It's not a power that any of us contain or a power that anyone in the world contains. This power alone belongs to God. So God's power is immeasurable in might and endurance and authenticity, authenticity. And when God exercises his power, I think the most beautiful thing about it is that there is no need to replenish it. That's what amazes me about his power. There is no need for him to replenish 
what he has used. Um, I want to borrow from Isaiah chapter 40. I want to read verses 20, or verse 28 for you to give you a better understanding of that. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator, the creator of the ends of the earth. Now, right here, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That's the one thing about God's power that amazes me is the fact that he, he never needs to replenish it. And especially at my age now and, and, and trying to do some of the things that I tried to do when I was younger. I, I, I see like when I was younger, I would be able to do a lot of different things and I would not, I would not feel the need to replenish it, what I've used, what I've exerted. But now I immediately see the need to replenish it. I try to play basketball with my kids. I'm still able to play, but now I have to fake injury just to get rest. Right? You start limping around and you're like, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. But at the same time, it's, it's, you're using strategy. You're getting rest. Can't play as many games as I used to. Used to be able to play all day, most of the night, wake up in the morning, get up and just go do something. If I do that now, I have to ice my knees. When I get out of bed, I just, I just immediately be pray to the Lord. To, to help me with the pain that I'm enduring that day. Uh, lifting weights, I just started to lift weights again. When you're 20-something, lifting weights, you're sore, and then you get over it. When you're 40-something and you lift weights, it, it takes a while to get over the soreness. Sleep. Notice I need more sleep now than I used to. Right? What I'm saying is not foreign to anybody. I see a lot of people like, yeah, we're, we're with you. We need to replenish. We exert. We need to replenish. See, God is in no need of replenishment. He exercises his power. And he continues to do so at the same rate, at the same perfect rate that he's always done it. He doesn't need to rest. He doesn't need to sleep. He can completely keep up with you no matter how busy or energetic you think you are. No one is like God. His power is beyond what we can think or imagine. That's why I say that God is omnipotent. Omni meaning all, powerful. You break that, that word into two different words, it's all powerful. Because he is powerful all the time. See, the one true God has sovereign power, and that's not something that we can fully comprehend with our feeble minds. And to make it simple, though, we can know and trust that he is never in need, he is never overwhelmed, and he is never outmatched. See, he alone is God, and that's what Paul is writing to this church. And he's encouraging them, telling them that they belong to a God who has immeasurable great power, our immeasurably great power. So whatever it is that they're dealing with in their personal life, that, they have to know that. That still preaches today. Whatever it is that you're dealing with in your personal life, church, you worship a God who is all-powerful. And then Paul exemplifies God's power. Look at verses 20 through 21. He says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is name, named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. See, Paul exemplifies the great power of God to the church, and he does that by pointing them to Christ. And the power that was exerted or exercised when Christ was raised from the dead. If you ever have a reason to doubt God's power, just think about the cross. And that's exactly what Paul's point is to this church. If for whatever reason they were to doubt the power of God, Paul directs them to remember the power that he worked in Christ. Number one, by raising him from the dead. That's the perfect example because no matter who was hearing this letter, they did not have the power to raise anyone from the dead. But for God, that's nothing. You can think of the strongest person you know in your life. And for a lot of people, that, that first figure is your father. Right? You, you walk around, you're a, a child, and you think that your father can do anything and everything. It's not till later that you find out that he can't. But for a while there, you think your father or your uncle or maybe your grandfather is, is, is the strongest person in the world. And even if you don't think your father is the strongest person in the world anymore, you still have a friend. You still have somebody you know who is completely fit. He's powerful. Seems like he can do anything. He can't raise the dead. He needs, his power needs to be replenished. He needs to sleep. He needs to rest. And Paul is saying, listen, you worship a God who is all-powerful. And I'm not just saying that. I'm going to give you a perfect example. He exercised his power to raise Christ from the dead. So Paul shows them this power. The fittest person we know, the most powerful person we know, we know that the Bible says that they are wasting away, right? Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16 tells them, outwardly we are wasting away. Doesn't matter how fit you are, how well you eat, how much you sleep. Outwardly we are all wasting away. For those who have Christ, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Praise the Lord for that. But we still have to acknowledge the fact that we are wasting away. But God is not. Then he gives them another example. Not only did Christ or did, did God raise Christ from the dead, but also he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. See, being seated at the right hand of God, Christ was restored to his throne and received the same immeasurable power as the father and when we see the power of christ the bible says it is above all rule it is above all authority it is above all power and all dominion so paul has already referenced god as in with immeasurably great power sovereign power god the father and now he's saying god the son has the same power as the Father. That's why Christ is the King of Kings. See, when we look at these words, when we see rule, authority, power, and dominion, they all are, all these terms relate to governing a group of people. They relate to a kingdom. Christ is the King of Kings because there is no ruler greater than he. There is no authority above his. There is no power like him. And no one has the dominion that he has because he is the ruler of both heaven and earth. So if we worship God the Father who has all power, we worship God the Son who has all power. And by the way, God has sent his spirit to live in us who has all power question is, what are we to fear? What are we to worry about? 
I think Paul does a wonderful job in this passage to explain this, this attribute of God, his, his omnipotence, his all, his, his, his all power nature. He does a wonderful job to, to explain it, and then he does a wonderful job to exemplify it. But then he shows us that this power that God has, that it's toward us. Look at verses 22 and 23. Speaking of Christ, he said, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over, the, as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. See, Paul shows them that with this power, the father has placed the son over all things concerning the church. And not only the church, but when you read the passage, it speaks of all things, but especially as head over the church. That's why one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's also why Paul prayed that the church would know the immeasurable greatness of his power. In verse 19, he says, toward those who believe. When you look at the Greek in that, it's, it's saying toward those who have believed. Or toward those who are believing. Meaning his power is sustaining us to believe in him. That's why when those who come to faith in Christ, when they come to faith in Christ, their salvation is secure because we have unlimited power who is keeping us there. That's why Jesus says, don't worry, nobody can take you out of my hands and no one can take you out of the Father's hands. The son with the same immeasurable power as the father is the ruler of the church. See, if God is for you, as I said earlier, who can stand against you? Paul wanted these believers to understand that God's power is more than adequate to provide for his church what it needs for life and godliness. He has given us everything we need. And, and if you look out if you could see your future, you would see that God is going, is going to continue to provide for you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. We have that promise in Christ. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. Deal with today. I got tomorrow covered. That's the Ricky Garcia translation of that passage. Definitely not word for word translation. Question is, how does God's power affect your belief or your view of him? That's the question that I that I had to struggle with this week. Like, if, if I'm going to stand here and preach to you and say, this is God's power, you need to live as if you are protected, guided, and, and, and blanketed by this power, you need to live like it. How am I living knowing that God is all-powerful? Right? So what, what in me is not communicating to others that God is not all-powerful to me. Does that make sense? How am I contradicting this truth of the Bible? Because, like, we can walk around and we can say, I believe in a God who is all-powerful, who is omnipotent. There is no one like my God. If he is for me, who shall stand against me? That's, that's our rally cry. But we're doing that in a safe place. And we're doing that amongst like-minded people. And we're encouraged by that, and we should be. But then we leave this place, or not, we don't even have to leave this place sometimes. 
Because sometimes you're hearing their sermon and you're sitting in your chairs and you're thinking something that contradicts what, what the Bible was saying here. Anyway, in your own personal life, I mean. Because we can say, yes, my God is all-powerful. But then something happens in our life and we say, that's not fair, God. Why did this happen to me? It's not fair. What I'm going through is not fair. In, in reality, when we say it's not fair, we are questioning God's judgment. We know better, but wait a second. I thought we worshiped the God that's all-powerful. Or how about we, it being Mother's Day, how hard is it not to completely and utterly worry about your children? Where they're at, what they're doing, what they're going to become. And I know that speaks to a lot of mothers in here because there are mothers in here who are praying that their children would come back to the Lord. And you worry about it day and night, and that's, that's a wonderful thing that you care that much about your children. But you need to know. You need to know that you worship an all-powerful And believe me, your child's will, no matter how old they are, does not surpass the power of God. Or about some of us in here who are worried about our job situation. Either you're about to lose it, you've lost it, you're trying to find a job, you don't know how things are going to meet up, how things are going to happen. You have, maybe you haven't communicated that to anybody, but inside you're worrying how am I going to provide? I went through that just not too long ago. I did horrible at it. Once I found out, I had a year to even prepare for it. As it came closer, I didn't do a good job at all. I tell you, we do this all the time. How about, of you, how about some of you who are dealing with marriage problems in here? And you just don't know. You just don't know what's going to happen in your marriage. You just don't know how you can keep it together. Question, the answer to that is that you cannot keep it together. It's the Lord who will keep it together. Right, so we have all these things that, that are going on in our life. And I haven't even mentioned health. Right now, there's a lot that is going on in our family that we are desperately praying for. I have a, a brother-in-law who's in a hospital now with COVID. And just talking to him the other day, his numbers are going down, not up. His oxygen numbers, his levels are going down, not up. And, and, and I just went through that. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm worried about him. Right? I have a brother who's recovering from a, a, a bad burn throughout his whole body. He was touch and go. I was worried about him. Today's Mother's Day reminds me of my mother. Years and years ago, it just doesn't seem that long ago, but I lost her in 2004. And I remember what she went through, dying from cancer, and I just... Remember the, the worry that was in me when we first found out that it had happened. There are people in our church who are dealing with the disease of cancer. We worry about them. See, in all these things, we have to remember that God is all-powerful. 
God is not powerless over your circumstances. See, when you say God is omnipotent, that means he is omnipotent over you too. Because it seems like it seems easier to say he is omnipotent over a, a in general or so to speak, but he is omnipotent over your life. In fact, he is directing all things in your life for his glory and your good. Now you're like, wait a second. But there's some difficult things that I'm going through. Yes. That's right. God is directing that. Like, well, wait, I've been through some really bad things. I, I did some horrible things. Yes. God knows. And if he wanted it differently, he would have made it differently. See, God is so powerful that he can use our mistakes. He can use our sin. And somehow, I can't explain it. You can't explain it. No one can really explain how it happens. But he can use the worst of us for his glory and our good. Not that that gives us a license to go do horrible things, because Paul talks about that in the book of Romans. That's not a license for us to go and sin, because we have been saved from that. We have been transferred from darkness to light. And we need to feel guilt about what we've done. We need to repent of what we've done. But we also need to know that God has the power to use our mistakes to use our sin for his glory and our ultimate good. Now, that does not save us from any, any kind of consequence that we have to suffer because of what we've done. But even in that, even in getting disciplined by God, he is doing it for his glory and our good. Also, God is not powerless over the evil in this world. I think too many times we elevate the devil. We elevate the enemy. And we think it's God versus the devil. And it's these two entities that are just as powerful as, as the other. And right now we're like the devil is winning, but we know who's going to win the war. The devil is not winning. God is in complete control. He is winning and he will win the war. You see, what is happening in this world? And again, that's why the Bible says we have to walk not by sight, but by faith. Right? Because it's, it's hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend. But Everything that is happening in this world, he is using it for his glory and our good. And what I mean by that is that everything that is happening, what is he doing? Well, for one thing, we know that God is purging his church, right? Because he says there are wolves amongst sheep. And so we know that God is continually purging his church, revealing those who are truly his but also those who are truly his are being sanctified. We're growing spiritually through what we are seeing, what we are experiencing, and what we have to go through. God is in control of that. What Paul wants the church to know, the church in Ephesus, and also the church throughout history and the church today, is that God is able to lead, he's able to protect and he's able to provide for his people. That's why there's such a focus on his omnipotence. And this is true through any and all circumstance. And we see examples of that throughout the pages of the Bible. We see men who at one time thought they were just their own man. And yet, God's all-powerful nature just comes and consumes them. 
We see it in Abraham. God elected him, saved him, and, and, and called him to his work. It wasn't easy. He suffered a lot. But we see God's all-powerful nature just take over his life. We see it in David. Everything that David went through, went through King David. There is all kind of psalms that David writes about the all-powerful nature of God. We see it in his triumphs and in his sin. We see it all over his life. You can go on and on, Elijah. Go on to the New Testament. You see it within the disciples. For me, the one who stands out the most is the one who's writing this letter, Paul. You see God's all-powerful nature in the life of Paul. I, I, I'm reminded of Acts chapter 9. This is one of the most haunting verses in the Bible. When God saved Paul, and Paul is suffering from blindness, and God comes to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, and he wants Ananias to go and speak to Paul. And Ananias is afraid at first. But then, this is what God tells Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, go and speak to Paul. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry out my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Verse 16, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I told you, one of the most haunting verses in the Bible. And you talk about consequences. Paul was ravaging the church. God saved him, but yet there were consequences. And those consequences God uses for his glory and Paul's good. Paul later writes, I wouldn't change a thing. I've gone through so many terrible things. I'm still going through them today. But it's for the greater good of his church and to the glory of God. See, that's us in a sense. That's our lives. God has called us to different things. We go through different experiences. And no matter what you are going through today, you need to remember that God is all-powerful. One great example is Job. See, not many of us here are, not anyone in here has been through what Job went through, right? I, I think we can all, it's safe to say that, right? And we see, we read through the book of Job, and we see the conversation that's taking place between his friends and, and Job. And even though none of us have been through what Job has been through, I also think it's safe to say that we probably have all complained more than Job about our circumstances, right? At least what's written in Scripture. I think Job does a decent job. I mean, he, he's having some issues, and he's corrected. But I think he does a decent job of explaining how frustrated he is with his situation. And even though we have not been through what Job has been through, we complain more than him. But listen to what the Lord tells him. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Job chapter 38. I can't read all this for the sake of time because the Lord answers Job and it goes on from chapter 38, 39, and also 40. And then it actually closes out the book. But I'm going to read the majority of, verse of chapter 38. And as I'm reading this, I want you to think about ways that you've responded to God with the circumstances in your life. Right? Because sometimes something happens and we want to say, that's not fair. We want to say, that wasn't the thing that was supposed to happen. Or I wish things would have happened differently. Or we just worry about things. We, we are basically complaining to God. And that's what Job is doing here. And the Bible records God's answer to Job. And he says there in Job chapter 38, verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. 
I will question you and make it known to me. Verse 4. And this right off the bat, it just knocks you to the floor. Think about how you've questioned God. Think about how you've contradicted the fact that in your mind and in your heart that God is all powerful. This is what God says to you. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you? When I read that, just just that verse right there, it knocks me to the floor and I just say, who are you, old man, to question God? Tell me if you have understanding, he says. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? And what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Just keep on asking yourself, where were you when that happened? Or who shut in the seas with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds and garments and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? And caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Verse 16. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recess of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or do you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all of this. Can you imagine Job's reaction as he's hearing this? Probably the same as ours right now. As we're thinking about what we're going through. Verse 19, where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you were born then and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouse of the snow or have you seen the storehouse of the hell? which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where the light is distributed? And where is the east wind, or where is the east wind, or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain, and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on the land, where no man is on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and the desolate land and to make the ground sprout with grass. Verse 28, has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth and who has given birth to the frost of heaven? The waters become hard like stone and the face of the depth of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or lose the cords of Orion? Or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season or can you guide the bear with its children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and stay and say to you, here we are? And I'll stop here, verse 36. Who has put wisdom 
in the inward parts are given understanding to the mind. Now, turn with me a couple of pages to chapter 42. Because I told you, it goes on and on. After God answered Job, look at Job's answer to the Lord. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things. Right? It shows you that he's been humbled. You see, not only is he saying, I know you can do all things, that you have the power to do all things, but he's also saying, I know you have the right to do all things. What he's saying is this, I know that you can do anything you want, not only with your creation, but with my life. You can do anything you want with my life. I can't stop you. I can only trust you. I can only worship you in it. I can only ask you for mercy. But I know you can do all things. And he continues on. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. This is beautiful here. Verses five and six. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now. But now. My eye sees you. How many of you have experienced this? Oh, you have heard his word. In fact, maybe you have come time and time and time again and you hear his word often and you may say amen to what is being said. But you really don't see him until you are in it, until you go through it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Now I understand. Now I completely understand. Now I see you, God. I see who you are and not the God that I've made you to be. God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. No matter how much we complain about it, no matter how much we doubt his plan, no matter how much we sin against him in that way, it does not change who he is. I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's all of us right there. Every single one of us. So yes, we proclaim God is all powerful. But we need to remember it even in our darkest moments. That what we are going through, what has happened to us is not beyond him. It is part of his plan and he's working it out for his glory and our good. And that is sometimes very difficult to understand. You know, one of the times that I... One of the times that I, I truly saw God for who he was 
was when we lost our son, Jude. There's a lot of sad stories that go along with that, and some of them I haven't even shared with anybody just because I, I can't muster the strength. But in that situation, in that loss, I saw God like I had never seen him before. And I was like Job, oh, there you are. I've heard about this. But now I see you. One of the worst things that Alicia and I could ever go through But we know in our hearts that it was for his glory. And get this, we know it was for our good. Even though, even now, it's hard to even talk about. It's hard to understand. We walk by faith knowing it was for his glory and our good. And we move on. That is the God that we worship. That is the God who is leading our church. And I tell you again, if a God like that is for you, then who can stand against you? As our praise and worship team comes up, we have reserved this last song as time for prayer in response to this message. You can pray at your seat. You can pray with somebody. You can come up here for prayer if you'd like. But this gives you an opportunity to, to respond, to think about what you've heard. And walk in obedience to his word.